Welcome to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, a podcast about navigating adolescence without losing our minds. Each week, I guide you around the teenage landmines with practical tips, simple solutions, and words of encouragement. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. I'm your host, Dr. Cam, and today I'm really excited to be talking to Dr. Jordan Shapiro, who is an author, an educator, a research, a TEDx talker, and a dad of four. Um, he teaches in Temple University's Intellectual Heritage Program, is a senior fellow for the Joan Gans Cooney Center at Sesame Workshop, which I'm, that sounds cool, and non-resident fellow in the Center of Universal Education at the Brookings Institute. He's also a best-selling author. Um, his book, The New Childhood, received wide critical acclaim and has been published in 11 languages. Have you read all 11 versions of it? I haven't even seen all of the oh, versions really? of it. I think that'd be so cool. And his upcoming book, Father Figure, How to Be a Feminist Dad, offers a norm-shattering perspective on fatherhood, family, and gender essentialism. Welcome, Jordan. I am so happy to have you here. Yeah, great. It's a, 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 a great to be here. Although I guess I'm at home. So, you know, you that's it. We're just... <laughs> And Facebook is in- always open, so I'm kind of always here. <laughs> You're always here. Well, it's good to talk to you. Um, and, and we were talking about how um, I want to. I want to actually let's let's just start. I want to first learn about you and what kind of inspired you to start researching and writing about parenting and seriously shattering societal norms. Um. You know, it's a, you know, I, I, there's so many different ways to tell this story. I mean, I mean, originally, I think um, it was mostly because I was just was hanging out with my kids and, and observing what I was doing with them. Um, and I think, um, you know, I, I had to figure that I had to figure out a way to make that to, to make that that time useful, I guess. I mean, my kids often tease me. I used to play a ton of video games with them. And then when I started talking about kids and video games they used to be like you couldn't just have fun you had to make a career out of it you couldn't just and i'm like i guess yeah Um, but no i mean yeah go ahead no no go ahead i was just gonna say that's the that's the whole point though is a lot of dads want to do that they don't make a career out of it (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i mean i mean there were lots of things that sort of led to it a lot of it was just an accident i was a uh, um um you know i i I have a phd in in psychology and and philosophy um uh, only one i know it sounded like i have two i only have one phd it's just in both subjects um and i you know, so so the things I do often make me want to do research, and that and that that made that made me write. But it, but it really was a blessing uh, to be doing that because it allowed me to give a lot of attention to my kids, especially when they were very very little, because I was working right. And like like I, was, I was working while playing with my kids. Right. It's kind, kind of research. <laughs> I'm doing research. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I often I remember early in my career when I would give parents advice on how to deal with kids and screens. Uh, I often had to remind my myself that like like these things are a lot easier when like 
every time you do it, it becomes an article for your column in Forbes. Then, then when you have to, then when you have to like fit it in on top of another job. Yeah, that is that's pretty cool. So there's there's like two things you really are pushing the boundaries of how we're thinking about. And I think both of them are so essential that we push the boundaries because we're so stuck in the past and these old school ways of thinking and they're how we use technology and our our view of technology as parents which i i was watching your tedx talk and i was just my head was hurting because i was nodding so fervently <laughs> with everything you're saying i'm like yes that's what i'm trying to say but you back it up with so much research and what i want to talk about too is this feminist dad and this push to rethink what it means not only to be a dad but what it means to actually even be a man which like talk about this a little bit. Some of this, how did you come up with this? Where did this come from? Yeah, well, well, I think there's another way to frame it, which is that in some ways both books are about are, are about a similar thing, which is which is really rethinking the 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 norms about how we imagine family, how we imagine child rearing, um, um, recognizing that many of our norms are. Um, stuck in a specific window of time. You know, we often think we're stuck in the past, but when I did real research into the into the past, in both cases, I found that it does not look anything like what we have now. And if, if anything, what we look like, what we have now in both cases, when it comes to both gender and technology and childhood, and uh, it is something that was very specific to um, to the industrial age and very specific to... Um, to, to the ways that we thought about work and earning and potential and our image of the child and our expectations for the child and our expectations for society. And so, and so often I'm sort of saying, I, I, I mean, I think in both books, the goal here is we are all, we sort of have this nostalgic um, love for a very specific moment in time. Like, like we're, we're like, oh, that in that er, that 1950s model of family was the most uh, perfect because that, you know, maybe it's because we saw a lot of it on TV. Yeah, maybe leave it to Beaver. <laughs> leave it to Beaver. <laughs> right. Right. It's it, it's it's so idealized. Um, but when you realize that it's specific to certain economic needs, certain technological needs, and and, and, and certain cultural needs in general, it kind of doesn't make sense to, to, to be trying to maintain it so carefully. So when it came to technology, you know, one of uh, one of the things I noticed was so many parents were like, we need to preserve the, you know, the sort of what I think of as the stand by me model of, of, of like childhood should be about wandering in the woods, finding a dead, okay, maybe not finding the dead body, but but still the like adventure out in, in the in, in the the woods and time on the playground and playing in the sand and riding your bike and so many of these things are very specific to our industrial era 1950s idea of what a perfect childhood was and I thought well why are you so for that like why can't kids just play in a different way if that wasn't how kids played for the first how long? Hundred thousand years of human civilization, right? <laughs> right. Then, then why is that hundred year period so important, right? Um, and that doesn't mean I'm against playing outside. I'm all for playgrounds and playing outside, all those things. But, but the idea that we prioritize that specific moment in time above all the others, even our own, made no sense to me. When it comes to the the, the question of gender and being a feminist dad, it, it's a similar concept, which is our image of of what are often called traditional gendered family roles are really roles that only existed in, around the 1950s, right? right? The only time in human history that, that a, a large portion of people were able to 
have a, a, a single breadwinner and a, and a and a homekeeper was the 1950s, right? And even then, it was it was only specific people who looked a certain way, and it was in America, um, and that's the only time. So mm -hmm. this you know this notion that that there's some like ancient model of of men going out to do the work and and women staying home and baking bread, right? It, it's just it's just it's just nonsense. Thank God. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't think I've ever baked bread, so that's good. Well, if you, and, and all you have to do even if you don't you know i'm sure there's some people watching this who, who are going to go well that's not true but just use just use common sense and you go wait for most of human history everybody worked at home right and everybody had to work in the fields right <laughs> like you right. went out and you worked together there was no like one person got to hang out inside while we harvested all of our of all of our food right no everybody worked together and um and 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 this idea that we think of this as some kind of like biblical essential model is just nonsense. It's just is just crazy. Uh, and and so I just wanted to say, well, what does it look like now, right? Like it might have made sense to have these gender roles in the 1950s. I don't know. I wasn't there. I'm not going to judge it. it might have made sense to have to think about gender the way we did in different parts of the past. But what we do know is that the current cultural ethos uh, um, um, requires specifically that men and fathers rethink how they're going to understand their identity because they can no longer make sense of their lives through it through a, a, a patriarchal dominance worldview yeah and I, I think that makes a lot of men i'm guessing as i'm not a man but i'm guessing that makes a lot of men uncomfortable because it's like this is what i know this is what i'm modeling that my dad did and his dad did and they don't know how to do it any differently. So yeah, we, we, we don't have an alternative model. And that was part of why I wrote the book to kind of say, hey, here, and, and also wrote the book from a place of really deep understanding. I mean, exactly what you just said, right? Right, right. right. Men feel, men, men are really struggling, I think, because, because it's clear, you turn on the TV and someone's talking about, uh, about inequality of some sort, well, you know, some kind of systemic inequality, whether it's right. racial, whether it's ethnic, whether it's gender, they're talking about it all the time. And, 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 and men are often, um, or often feel like they're the, 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 the supervillain in that, in that narrative, because the patriarchy, I think is the, or mm -hmm. the white supremacist cis hetero patriarchy is the supervillain in Correct. that story. But individual men, I, I, you know, I think are a little confused because I think they, they, they want to do right, what's right. They feel attacked. I'm certainly not trying to, uh, to say that, uh, you know, I'm not trying to victim. I mean, I guess in some ways I am victimizing them, but I'm not with like a sympathy for the, for, for the, like you lost your position of power more for the sympathy that if you lose, uh, the meaning, the, the the meaning system on which you base your identity, on which you base your actions, on which you base your worldview, to have that dismantled under you with nothing else to grab instead is going to be pretty scary. And so I said, you know, so many of the scary things we're seeing in the news, the the partisan politics, the fights, the anger, right, is because people have no foothold with which to move into what's clearly a context we're moving into, right? Like, it's not a winning fight to try to hold us back. Like, we're clearly moving into it. So the question is, how do you how do you maintain your pride? How do you maintain your sense of, of purpose? How do you maintain your sense of identity in that in in that transition? And that's why I wrote Father Figure to say, Hey man, I, I hope I can help you. And the truth is, all the men I have talked to, okay, almost every man I've ever spoken to, <laughs> yeah. no matter which side of the political part, 
partisan divide they're on. We have this issue. Um, they want to do the right thing. If you say to them, do you care about gender equity? They will say yes. But I don't think they know how. I don't, you know, because I do know if you say to them, are you a feminist? They'll be like, whoa, that's a little too far, even though it doesn't mean anything different. Right. Um, but but I think they they really, as you said, they needed a model, they needed an image, they needed a way of, of, of asking the questions. Um, and that's what this book's really about, Father Figure, is, is how do you ask the right, the questions of yourself. I, there, I, 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 I don't think maybe you've read it. So you can tell me if you agree. I don't think that there's any part of it that says this is right. And this is how you should be. It, it doesn't, but what it does, which is one of the things I was telling you that I love so much about it is you back up all of your ideas and theories with actual research examples, evidence, your own experiences. So it's not like, yeah, I believe this and you should believe it too. It's like, I, you have put so much thought and pulled so many ideas from, I mean, from Star Wars to Homer Simpson, to Campbell, to Young, like you've pulled ideas from everyone, right? To showcase what you're really to give you a foundation of where you're coming from. And it's interesting as you're saying like this feminist movement, because I feel like Men, and again, I'm speaking for men, which I am not, but I feel like men- That's okay. We've been speaking for women for long enough that you're, you're, you're allowed. Thank you. Um, I, I feel like when I, men feel more comfortable with the, you know, women being feminist and saying, yes, women have rights. Where I think the biggest hangup is though, is when we're saying, but men's roles need to change too. And seeing what it means to be a man differently because I think it's so set in just what even women what women believe a man is mm -hmm. and Jordan I see um younger younger like teen, I talk to teens I see younger teens and boys that get it mm -hmm. but they're actually being taught out of what they understand by dads and moms and people the older generation saying no no that's not okay so it's almost as if the older generation is trying to to wring out of the younger <laughs> generation that actually gets it. Yeah, I mean, I, I really don't think the older generation is trying to wring it out, but I think it's a great metaphor because I think, and, and a lot of what I write in Father Figure is about this, right, is, is the idea that so many things that we do with good intention, so many ways that especially, and, and it's about men and it's about being a father and it's so many of the ways that we're taught to live into our role as father, right, to live into our identity, this fatherhood identity, um, are ways that inadvertently, see, I don't think many men mean to do it or oh, even gosh, see that it's happening. Not at all, no. Inadvertently um, maintain uh, uh, and reinforce this sort of, you know, if you have daughters, you're, 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 you're doing exactly what you don't want for them, right? So many of the things you think you're doing to be a good dad, to be a good man is actually telling your daughter, you know, don't be strong, don't, don't, don't be empowered. Even while you're saying be empowered, all these things you're doing do the other thing. And you're also simultaneously telling all, all, of, all of the boys that, that they're supposed to live into this toxic masculinity mm -hmm. model that, that so many men have observed is, is 
is is painful for them and i c- cover a lot of that in father figure yeah. and then for gender non-conforming individuals you, you know so many of the things we do are, are telling them that they just don't fit into the world that they deserve to be marginalized as they are and and, and nobody wants that for their kids um and and we just you know th- this is a book about how to look at what you do look at your everyday behaviors and make your own decisions i want to keep emphasizing that right like yeah. this is not you know, be like Jordan, right? Right. In fact, most of the stories of myself in this book are stories of mistakes. Yeah. This is where I did the wrong thing. This is a book that gives dads and hopefully moms and hopefully, you know, anyone who wants to read it, the tools to, to, to interrogate their own actions, their own behaviors, their own thought patterns and ask what, and ask themselves whether they want to maintain them or not. Yeah. And I think as you bring up moms, I think moms reading this book would get a lot out of it too, even just in how they're raising their sons and the messages they're giving to their sons, because I think moms too. And, and you, you mentioned this many times. It's like, we, it's so ingrained in us that we believe it to be truth, right? We believe it so wholeheartedly that it's truth. And it is just these societal norms that we've created that aren't the same anywhere else right? We, in, we're just, we kind of see short-sighted. Um, and I, one of the examples you gave, I loved was how, you know, now we're being able to choose our pronouns, right? We're, right. we're all saying our pronouns and you're like, I'm allowed to pick he, him as my pronoun. Why shouldn't everyone else be able to pick what their pronoun is? And I th- I was like, yeah, that's cool. Cause I, I, <laughs> I think that whole concept's very difficult for older generation yeah, and, and in this section that, and in the section that that, that talks about that, um, um, and, I, and I, this is one of the sections I really hope a lot of people read is is I first break down a lot of the biology, and this was hard for me. I'm not a science guy, right? So I had to like scour a million textbooks to try to make sense of like you know um, uh, uh, endocrinology and, yeah. <laughs> and and like all these things that I don't knew nothing about. Like I think I almost failed biology in high school. That's how bad <laughs> I am at it. But I sat with these textbooks and these books and 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 to read about it and to really understand testosterone and to really understand the x and y chromosome and 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 i called biologist friends to get through all this and and i guess i'm going on because it was really hell actually because i i I do not enjoy that kind kind of science when you read it it comes across so smooth and easily to read so i just want to let people know there's so much research it doesn't feel like you're reading a research paper yeah but but that part what you know one of the things i discovered in doing that research is there's so many things i don't really know i don't know my own hormone level i don't know my own own, you know, no chromosomal makeup. Like I make a lot of assumptions, uh, um, but there's so many aberrations uh, and we shouldn't even call them aberrations, right? There's so many normal variations in the human experience. I don't know what it is, but I've made a decision about being a he, him because of, you know, partially because of my, the, the, the sex, uh, the, the sex that I was assigned at birth, but also because, uh, but also because of cultural norms, also because of things my parents taught me also, you know, and I, made that choice why shouldn't anyone else right like unless you're willing to like you know if you want to really make the argument that people were just born with the and and should keep those pronouns then people are going to need a lot more tests before we decide what their gender is because because it's not as it's not as simple as just what we see with our eyes equals (laughs) exactly and i think it's so difficult and i have a lot of I, i talk to teens who are all in that trying to figure it out 
right? They're trying to figure that out, which is amazing. That wasn't even a choice growing up for me. That was not even something you thought about. And parents are freaking out about it. Like, oh my gosh, I mean, she's a girl. Why wouldn't she be thinking about this? So I think just that concept is very difficult to wrap your head around. And you do a very good job at just providing examples and clarity on what that means. So yeah. And for, and for parents, what I should say, you know, cause I'm, again, there's in any group of people, there's always some people who find this so um, weird and, and outrageous that they're resistant to it. But I would, I would say to parents, especially parents of teenagers, and it's true. I think teenagers are asking these questions in ways that they certainly haven't in my memory. I don't know. I'd have to do a lot more research to find out if there are other times in history. I suspect there probably were, but, but, um, but, but not in my memory. Um, the, you know, parents have to realize this is the this is the kid's context, and your job is to parent through that context, not really to judge it, um, right? Your job is to is, is to is is to guide your kids and mentor your kids and and make sure your kids arrive at at, at the value at the the core values. Those values like kindness and cooperation mm-hmm. and inclusivity and sharing and all the things that pretty much every religion ing- agrees is you know and every and every worldview agrees. We all need that's your job. Um, and, and and to some extent, you know, you don't have to like everything about the context, but you have to accept that your kids are living in it. Oh, so well said. Oh, I love that. So well said. I want to just, and I mean, we're going a little over. Are you okay with that? Because I I have so many questions. So I want to ask you too about the technology use, because again, what you're saying, I've been, I'm trying to convey that message too. And it is, again, you use the word resistant. And I think that is just a good word to use across the board with a lot of these topics, the resistance of technology that parents have. Can you share a little bit of your insight about that? Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I mean, the the book, The New Childhood, I wish I had it to hold up here, um, um, is really about uh, similar to what I just said, it's about us understanding, you know, that that the context has changed, right? The idea that we can be even asking um, are smartphones good or bad, right? Like it kind of doesn't matter, right? Like maybe they're good, maybe they're bad. Maybe, you know, I have one, I'm not getting rid of it. I'm pretty sure it's gonna be in my life until there's some other technology. Um, and, And so the real question is how do I teach my kids to live well? with a smartphone, not to, you know, you know, wring my hands about, oh my God, they're getting, you know, maybe, maybe if smartphones are, are, if smartphones are making our kids stupider, they're not, the research doesn't confirm that, but I know some people think it does. Mm-hmm. Um, um, if that were true, um, then, you know, our job as parents is to make sure that doesn't happen. You're not going to be able to make sure that doesn't happen by taking away the smartphone. You have to make sure that by it doesn't happen because they'll just find another one. Okay. We were all teenagers. Okay. You, you, you know, I found dirty magazines. I found alcohol. I found cigarettes. I found all the things my parents didn't want me to find. And I did, a, I don't know, as a parent now, I wonder if I did a good job hiding it all because I see my kids doing it. But but the fact is, the, the kids will find a way, and and, and our job it shouldn't be to um, 
make them terrified to talk to it. You know, this is the same mm -hmm. as everything we know about sex education, right? Yeah. If they're afraid to talk to you about sex, they're much more likely to be sexually assaulted. They're much more likely to, uh, to, to have an unhealthy relationship to sex. Um, they're, they're much more likely to, to, to engage in risky sexual behaviors. Mm -hmm. I think it's the same thing for phones. If they think, if you keep telling your kids they're addicted to a phone, that phone is so evil, I hate it. If you keep telling your kids that video game makes you stupid, you're addicted, I, I hate it, I wanna pull it out of the wall. All you're gonna do is make them not talk to you about the things that happen online, uh, hide the things that happen online and not incorporate your values into their behaviors online. It also makes it a lot more appealing to them. Right? <laughs> well, like, like mom says, this is bad. Oh, it's got to be great, right? So it's like they crave that time with them. Um, and I, I, I hear parents say, well, I grew up and I lived without my smartphone. We didn't have that growing up when I grew up just fine. And it's like, but we didn't have it then. Like it makes no <laughs> sense to say my child can survive without a smartphone because the world is so different now. And yeah, that's it's... where they get everything i mean my, that's my, my social their education everything my big my big pet peeve is the one where you know you see this in social media memes all the time the one where they're like when you look back at the history of your childhood you're not going to remember minecraft and youtube you're going to remember those days camping in the park and i always look at every day that's come up i'm like i still remember the going to et in the movie theater <laughs> i still remember watching mork and mindy every time it was on i still I remember, remember pong <laughs> right bop, beep 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 right. <laughs> I, I have so many <laughs> memories of hanging out with kids playing video games watching mm -hmm. movies i also have great memories of outdoor adventure but the idea that you like will not remember what you know no, no that's not that's not true memory is not me memory doesn't doesn't care about our our silly uh, uh assumptions about technology and context yeah a hundred percent and i've seen research too saying that the parents that are more um, that actually accept it, accept technology and incorporate it into their homes. And instead of like pushing it away, their kids have healthier relationships with technology. And I think that's just obvious. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's why they had to do a study to prove the obvious, right? But so many people are just, they're so, and I get it, they're scared. There's a lot of fear around technology. So what do you tell the parents that are just, terrified about what their kids are doing online well well some of it is the fault i think of bad bad researchers um and i and i and i hold and i complain about them all the time um <laughs> Well, because a lot of it's not, you know, like we, we have a lot of these fear mongering articles that show up like kids are more depressed and and more suicidal because of their smartphones. Not true. Not um, true. I should just explain. I mean, I should explain where it comes from. There's certainly a trend of a, a rising trend of depression and anxiety and suicide since the 1970s, right? It predates smartphones, and we have not seen a jump since the iPhone was invented. Doesn't mean we won't. I mean, I'm just saying the research is still inconclusive, right? Yeah. And so everything you're reading about kids uh, uh, um, and, and their depression and anxiety is being smartphone related is is, is an assumption, right? Um, it, it is a speculation. It's not. The, the research doesn't bear that out in a conclusive way. Um, I, you know, I know a lot of parents worry about things like, you know, you hear about cyberbullying, you know, that the, the Instagram creates an unrealistic expectation that makes kids depressed. Uh, um, you know, I, I would say, uh, and I've always said to this, and again, I guess this is my speculation too, because I don't have research to bear this out, um, um, that I think we need to think about that in a very different way, which is, 
if you really think that the I, that the that the excruciating stress and anxiety of being a teenager and going through social status games and 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 if you really think that the the body image issues that 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 women and girls go through started because of Instagram you are living in a fantasy world in fact if anything has happened because of social media it's a, it's an increased conversation awareness and healthier attitude about trying to change these terrible parts of American society that 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 happen in the teenage years, in the middle school years. Um, I mean, this is where the two books uh, connect, um, right? Like there is unbelievably horrible messages uh, uh, about gender, about consent, about, uh, about, about how you should uh, uh, achieve self-worth. Girls are still learning, even as we talk about feminism as widely as we do, they're still learning everywhere that their, that their sense of worth is gonna be defined by the boys who are attracted to them, yep. right? That is happening everywhere and we're finally starting to talk about it we should be thanking instagram for that right right we should not no, be blaming exactly. instagram I mean, for it kids are <laughs> seeing these messages and that's i think that's one of the reasons that they're so much more open now is because they do have that conversation and they have more access to a lot of other opinions and and world views that they can kind of pull in the other thing that i've seen with it too is that um their devices are actually a form of reducing anxiety because it's a way for them to just chill out and relax. And it releases that the dopamine and the serotonin and the things yeah. that make you feel good. So a lot of kids turn to their devices as coping for coping. Yeah. So, and, and also to their online communities, because, yes. you know, when I was a kid, if you were, if you were gay, if you were, if you were a girl with anorexia, I guess you'd be a boy with anorexia, though I didn't know any, but I knew, I knew plenty, plenty of girls. Um, if you were, if you, I mean, so if, if, if you, if you were, I don't know, we could think of a million of a million different, if you were depressed, if you had anxiety, you were completely marginalized, right? You were in your, that there was nobody in your community you wanted to talk about. You didn't know whether the people in the community knew that you were, that, 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 or, or anyone had the same experience as you. And nowadays you can go online, put in a hashtag and you're going to find like an entire community of people going through the same eating disorders, right? The same uh, mental health problems and realize you're not alone and realize there's something normal about it, you're going to realize there's tons of kids being bullied and you're going to go, wait, it might not be because of me. It's because being yeah. a middle schooler sucks, right? Yeah. Right. There's so many places. The bad side of that, I mean, I don't want to be all rosy. The good side of that is people are finding their support groups. The bad side is we also know that's the same thing, allowing people to find hate groups, allowing people to become yeah. radicalized, or, right? Because they're also able to find yeah. groups with a, share, with a shared worldview that's a problematic uh, worldview. So there, there's definitely two sides there. But on none of these sides is the story is the story that this opening up to the world this ability to express themselves this ability to find like-minded people is hurting uh, you know, is causing depression, right? right. And there's way more evidence showing that, that that kids are finding groups of people and support groups because of the of the online world than there are finding that they're that they're finding suffering because of it. And I think one thing is important too. I don't think either one of us are saying, okay, parents, just let your kids have free reign on the phones and don't even look at what they're doing. Oh my God, trust. I'm definitely not uh, saying yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, right? It's complete, it's about teaching them how to use it appropriately rather than just high banning it, right? It's about it's... education. It's about having conversation. I think a lot of the issues that kids have on devices are symptoms, not the problem of something else. 
I think that's right. And I would also say to any parent who leaves them alone, like don't ever leave them alone on it. It's not private. Don't like, there's so many parents who are like, I don't like to check their, what they're doing online. Cause that's private. There's nothing private. Mark Zuckerberg can see everything your kid does on Instagram. So don't do <laughs> the last thing you want to ever give the kid an impression is that their phone is, is a, is a, is a private place. This is a place that this is a device that is invented for a level of, of, of surveillance and you kids yeah. need to know that. Um, so the easiest way to make them th know that there's no safety online is for them to realize their parents are going to check everything they do online. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I want to throw one caveat in, especially for teenagers, is to do it with them, not behind their back. Of course. Yes. Think, yeah, and absolutely. I just want to make sure because I know a lot of parents will go yeah. in and sneak in and get their password. No, no, no. Stuff, uh, just just say to them, I want to see your phone. I want to yeah, read your text messages. Me. Yeah. And when they go there private, you go, well, you already shared them with Google and Facebook. <laughs> so why can't you share <laughs> them with me? <laughs> and one thing too, uh, I've learned that when teens are resistant to show you, don't assume it's because they have something to hide. A lot of them are very protective of their friends. And I, I yeah. this was a personal experience with me too, with my daughter. She got really upset. I'm like, why are you getting upset? We have such an open relationship. She was really scared because she had, she felt like she was betraying her friends by showing me their texts. Well, so yeah, just, I'd say the same thing. Go tell your, go tell them to tell their friends that nothing is private yeah, on the internet. <laughs> Nothing's private true. on your phone. Right? Even Dr. if you Bird have one of, knows everything. <laughs> and, and even if you have, you know, I, a lot of people who think that like, you know, I have one of these secure texting apps. I, you know, I've done a lot of consulting for the military people who work in intelligence. And I once told them I had signal and they just laughed at me. <laughs> 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 nice. Gives you a little pause. That one was the first one to go, right? <laughs> right. So Jordan, I could talk to you forever, but I, I know I'm going to, you need to go. So I just want to ask you one more time. Okay. Um, first of all, how can people find you? I see your, they see your book in the back. When does that come out? The book comes out May, May 11th. Okay. Um, if, if you, if you want to find me, um, you go to, uh, on all social media channels, I am at Jordosh, J-O-R-D-O-S-H. I'll say it again, J-O-R-D-O-S-H. And that's on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Somehow I managed to get the same name for all of them. Not Good sure job. how, but I did it. <laughs> um, um, and then if you want to know more about me, about Father Figure, you can go to feministdadbook.com, 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 really planting it into we'll their subconscious. We'll put in the show notes too. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you can also, you can also go to newchildhood.com to learn about the new childhood. Or uh, the truth is, if you go to any of those, they all lead to the same place, which is my, which is my, my website. Uh, um, and you'll get to all of the stuff there and you can, you can, you know, you can order, you can pre-order Father Figure now. We have signed copies. We have, we have t-shirts that say feminist dad. We have t-shirts that say mangina because people in the comments have started calling me a mangina. So I was like, <laughs> all right, cool. I'll take it. Right. <laughs> so, so t-shirts that say mangina. Oh, <laughs> that's great. I want the signed copy. I don't want the shirt. <laughs> so any parting words of wisdom and encouragement for parents with teenagers? Wait, I'm sorry. You broke up for one second. What did you oh, ask? Yeah. Any parting words of wisdom and encouragement for parents with teenagers oh my god i'm trying so hard i have teenagers i'm it's it comes with all of these challenges i i have a recommendation for them here's one recently since it's like we're still in pandemic times and i binge watched 
all of the OC. Remember the OC? Oh, I saw. Oh, yeah. Watch them all. So many problems with the OC, right? <laughs> Especially from a feminist perspective. But 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 still, when you watch the OC, you you feel that nostalgia of being young again. And it reminds you. I'm not talking about the content at all. I'm just saying about your feeling of remembering watching yeah. it reminds you what it felt like to be a teenager. And um, and I and so I, I would recommend watch some old TV shows just to put yourself back in those memories of what the what the emotional things you were going through so that you have some amount of um, empathy and sympathy. And then the other thing I'll say just to, you know, cause that's the like, that's the like, you know, woo woo, love, empathy, take you know, care. Uh, I'll put the other side on, which is, which is, you know, I think we have a lot in our culture that, that tell that, that, that when we talk about understanding people and doing it, we, 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 we want to accept any feeling that our teenagers have. Um, and I think sometimes what parents forget that our job is to teach them how to tell their emotional story in ways that are valid and productive. And so that some of their expressions of emotion are, are, are invalid expressions. I'm sure they're still valid feelings, but you have to say, no, you, you, it is not, you know, it, and one way to think about this is, is whenever I travel with my kids, it's been a while because of the pandemic, but we get to the, I, I, I've been fortunate because I speak so much in other countries and I get other place people to pay for my kids to travel with me to other countries. Nice. And whenever we get to customs, they're like, I hate being in this line. It's so boring. I'm like, I, I look around and I go all, all thousand people in this line hate being in this line, but they have all learned that it's inappropriate to cry about hating being in this line. Right. That feeling is not a valid expression of your frustration at this moment. <laughs> I love that. That's great. Jordan, I am so grateful that you were spent some time with me today. And yeah, my pleasure. Really, really love that. And parents, thank you for taking time out of your busy day to join us. If you want to learn more about how to connect with your teen and calm the drama, be sure to join me on Tuesday evenings for Parenting Teens Power Hour. Hopefully I can get Jordan on there. I have an incredible <laughs> lineup of experts to share their best tips and secrets, and it's free. You can register at AskDrCam.com slash Power Hour. Um, also, if you enjoyed this episode and all the amazing nuggets that Jordan shared with us, please take a quick moment to rate and review. This helps other parents like you find the show. Feel free to share it with a friend too. Have a beautiful, wonderful, calm day. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today on Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. Make sure to visit my website, www.askdrcam.com. Com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show again. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, and hey, why not share it with a friend too? Be sure to tune in to my next episode. And remember, parenting teens may not be easy, but with my help, it can be a whole lot easier than this.